0: Welcome back to Inclusive and Online with Kate and Dan. I'm Kate. And I'm Dan. A while back, I reached out to one of OU's faculty members regarding a general e-learning issue, and I was happily surprised to learn that he was a fan of the podcast and that he was interested in being a guest on the show.
1: It's been exciting to see how this podcast has picked up some traction to get some feedback and ideas from our community.
0: Absolutely. In fact, this episode is our second to feature a listener-suggested topic. And we're always open to listener-suggested topics and encourage you to reach out with your ideas as well.
1: This month, we're going to be talking to Dr. George Sanders, an Associate Professor of Sociology at Oakland University, about students who experience financial challenges or obstacles when pursuing higher education.
0: Welcome to the show, George. We're very excited to get get your email about being on the show. And we want you to tell our listeners a, a little bit about yourself to start out.
2: Well thank you so much and let me just uh, begin by saying um, it's an honor to be on here i love what you all are doing i think this is fantastic um and you've covered so many great topics and uh you've checked off so many of the boxes that uh that i wanted to uh talk about but there was one uh there's a couple but one of them was you know, addressing, particularly addressing uh, students who are either first-gen or low-income students. Um, And as someone who was himself uh, first-gen and low-income, there's particular uh, needs and expectations and challenges uh, that those students face. And uh, so i welcome the opportunity to address some of those.
1: We were really excited about the suggestion that you came forward with. And I think it is a really important topic to cover. Um, so there's, there's definitely a lot to cover and the topic fits really well with our goals to the podcast. Um, so we were kind of wondering what initially piqued your interest in this topic.
2: There were a couple of things. First of all, um, you know, I stepped into the role of an interim uh, department chair and was experiencing what uh, you know what people call an imposter syndrome, um, this sense that um, that uh, that uh, you know I I don't deserve to be here, that uh, this is some kind of exclusive country club of elites that uh, that now I have to find my way around to you know, to to be accepted uh, and to not feel like an outsider. And it brought me back to when I myself uh, started in college as an undergraduate and being astonished and overwhelmed and terrified, frankly, of, you know, what it meant to be a college student and to be uh, to encounter all of these new, you know, fancy five dollar terms for, um, you know, the, the kinds of things that people take for granted, right? Like what is a rubric? What is, you know, even what is a syllabus? Um, what what does it mean when a professor has office hours? Uh, what's the difference between a TA and a lecturer and a grad student and a full professor and, and all of these kinds of things? What do deans do? And that sense of not knowing, uh, you know, was really kind of something that has um, always been a part of of, of how I experience uh, my career now, even as a professor. But in combination with that, right, and 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 part of that is is what we in sociology call cultural capital, right? Knowing the language to talk about and to think about and to navigate these institutions that can be complicated and scary. But that in combination with, you know, uh, challenging uh, issues of financial capital, um, which oftentimes go hand in hand. And the, the, the pandemic really brought to light um, just how uh, these two factors of cultural capital and financial capital and the need to um, uh, to accumulate both of those in order to succeed becomes imperative in today's university environment, um, which is unfortunate because um, we want to be as accommodating and welcoming and and open to as many folks as we can,
0: I think it's interesting that you mentioned imposter syndrome because I have felt that you know so many times personally and professionally, and myself, yeah, we had everything we needed growing up, but I wouldn't you know consider us as kind of the upper echelon uh, financially speaking. So when we look at things like that imposter syndrome, it's interesting how potentially, you know, financial shortcomings, you know, could play into that as well when you get to campus. But I also want to go back and talk a little bit about the language of higher education. I just found out a couple of days ago that Oakland University has a website that will tell you what each acronym they have in their database means. I can't imagine how big that database is. There are so many acronyms. There are so many language, different you know language considerations we have to make here at higher education that that could be daunting or overwhelming for any kind of adult but for those students who are experiencing financial challenges you know they might not be as worried about that they've got other other concerns as well beyond just the academic concerns that they have and how have you seen some of those
2: things play out in your experience as a faculty member you know um just yesterday um i you know a colleague uh Dr. Maria Beam uh, in our departments, uh, who teaches, who's the director of the social work program. We recently started an MSW program. that I say we, she <laughs> and her colleagues in social work. Um, she took me on a tour of the food pantry, uh, which is over at our student center. And um, they're about to move uh, to a bigger space, um, which says a couple of things, right? That uh, the food pantry is is working that it's, it's it's successful um and that's unfortunate um but also that there is a need uh, and when we were going through the food pantry she was talking about you know we were going to be moving to this bigger space going to need volunteers on friday to move all that stuff but as i was looking around uh she said you know this the, the, the shelves are are you know, relatively bare. Um and and it not due to the lack of generosity on the part of people who want to contribute to the food pantry, but um in but in large part due to the need um from students who you know who are using the food pantry and, and there's not just food there. Um there are gift cards that are available. There's um, professional clothes for um, you know going on interviews. Um, there uh, are uh, you know hygiene products um, and a variety of other things as well. And so that, in combination with um, some other you know things that have become apparent, um, you know when when we went online, we were able to uh, see right? See, physically see or visibly see, right? The, the, uh, the environments of, of many of our students. Um, and many of those students are, you know, see, we see that they are caring for family members. They're caring for parents. They're caring for children. Um, you know, I had a student who, um, who asked uh, to see me during office hours and we met on zoom and um, she said, you know, professor uh, I've really had a difficult time. Um, You know, there was a shooting in my neighborhood and she showed me the bullet holes in, in the wall and to see that and to recognize that, um, you know, we're not just talking about, you know, you know start you know living off of ramen and pizza we're talking about actual not actual but 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 much more um severe forms of, of food insecurity and 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 housing uh issues as well um yeah, so i,
0: think I an interesting uh point that you raise i'm sorry to to interject there but uh you know how the the intersections of our lives really came together during that pandemic and and how things are, are playing out now. And that you got to see a little bit more of that student, or maybe students who are potentially uncomfortable having their camera or doing like for an online proctor, they didn't want to have to do the room, the, the room scan with their camera. It's easy to forget about that on campus because we always hear how affluent Oakland County is. And Oakland university is a beautiful campus. And, you know this is certainly not an indictment on campus but it can be easy to forget when you're surrounded by you know nice looking things and affluence that there are many students and staff and employees of the university who use that grizzly food pantry and who benefit from many of these services so i'm i'm glad you mentioned that
1: i also think it's important to kind of think about contextually that historically Historically, we have an idea of like what a college student is and what a college student looks like and what things that they're going through. And I think through the pandemic, it came, became even more evident that college students are coming from all walks of life. They have all different unique concerns that are impacting the way that they're experiencing the higher education environment. Um, and and one of the things that you had mentioned in your email to us, George, is that uh all of these barriers that students are experiencing can have really a profound psychological impact um, as they're navigating higher education and dealing with some of these barriers. Um, and myself as someone with a counseling background, this is something that I've thought about quite a bit and, and that psychological impact and how it can impact how students are performing in their classes and and you know dealing with the challenges that higher education presents. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about how you have observed financial difficulties impacting your students' mental health?
2: Well, I I I I want to be careful and not, you know, uh, uh pathologize or or or, you know, be presumptive um in oh, terms sure. of my own credentials regarding, you know, um, folks' mental well-being. Um but uh I can speak from my own experience firsthand uh and Ha- and 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 seeing this right in in my own students, um, when you are hungry, um, and when you are worried about um, how you're going to pay for your rent, um, when you are working multiple jobs, um, and when you do not have the cultural capital that says, "Here's where you can go to find the help that you need." in combination all of those things amplify um you know the sense of anxiety the distress the the y- you're fearful uh and you're isolated and you're alone too because you look around and everybody else seems to be um getting along just fine um and many of your friends are right going out and having a good time and 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 living that stereotypical college university experience uh, while you yourself are, you know, working, you know, late nights um, and having to study because, you know, all of your free time is devoted to working. Um, You know, so when we see students who are falling asleep in class uh, on a regular basis, um, that's alarming. Um, When we see students uh, consistently coming up and asking for extensions um, or asking for special accommodations. Um, you know, I think it's easy for faculty, you know, myself included, to um, to 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 characterize this, you know this particularly in generational terms. Um, to characterize a younger generation as being, you know, um entitled and 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 narcissistic. But entitlement and narcissism have 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 been with us forever, right and And that overlooks the real need on the part of our students um who are experiencing challenges that will impede um their uh their ability to succeed in the classroom and and then to, To graduate and and to to uh, find the kind of opportunities um, that are available to you with a college degree that otherwise you know are not.
0: It's interesting. Backtracking a little bit more toward that cultural capital uh, conversation, many of these students it might be the first time that they've had to go into an office alone. And in my time when I worked in student financial aid, you're dealing with you know, federal language that's been written by, you know, federal lawyers and lawmakers and policymakers, and, and we're left to interpret that. And it can be very confusing. And sometimes it can be very invasive in the income information that you have to share. And, and I understand, you know, why we have to do that to, you know, try and be equitable you know, with aid. But also in my, in my studies, we talk about access to resources and socioeconomic status and extracurricular events. And there are many students who come to Oakland that, you know, they don't have the opportunity to participate in as many extracurriculars that lead to that academic success and that whole college experience because they are working or they've got financial issues. And another thing that you mentioned in your email to us is access to technology and other supplies. Those are resources as well that have implications, serious implications on student success in any level of education. So can you elaborate on different ways that you've seen this lack of access and really over the last couple of years and prior since where there's been so much more reliance on technology? Can you tell me on some of the different ways, the lack of access to those resources and technology
2: impacts your students? You know, uh, a couple of points, Dan. Thank you. I am very, very lucky. You know, I have a solid cell phone carrier. Um, I've got great Wi-Fi with, you know, I've got the top tier speeds, um, you know, and I think I take for granted and I think some of us, I think I'm not alone, uh, take for granted that um, everybody is well equipped uh, to be served by these these technologies. Um, but not every student has a laptop. Not every student has a laptop that actually functions in, um, in a reliable way. Not every student has, uh, unlimited data, uh, when they don't have a computer, you know, and they're, they're forced to use their phones, uh, and, you know, have to subscribe to, you know, some fly by night carrier that is, uh, inconsistent and, um, you know, uh, is, is constantly dropping calls. Um, you know, I have, I have great service and yet it still fails. And I know that if, if I, I didn't have that level of service, that the disruptions, that the difficulties in connecting, um, would be pervasive, um, to say the least. The other thing Dan, that you bring up is 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 going out and and seeking um, financial aid, and I know I'm maybe shifting gears a little bit, but you know we live in a in in a in a in a society that overemphasizes um, and exaggerates uh, the ability of the individual um, to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and to get ahead, and we we just assume right that if you work hard enough you know, you do the right things, you're a good person, you're disciplined that, y- you know, no matter what, you can make it, you can be successful. Um, and and we particularly think that that's true in the classroom. The classroom is supposed to be like the epitome of a true meritocracy, where if you work hard, you, you're smart enough, you know, you, you, you're you going to get an A, right? But, but unfortunately, you know the the, the classroom and, and higher education is embedded in, in in society more broadly, and and these other institutions that um, that uh, discriminate and oppress and, and also privilege other folks um, at the expense of of some, and so given that education in the classroom. Uh, are embedded in these other institutions in broader society. Um, some of those inequalities are going to become apparent in the classroom. And so that means that, you know, students um, who are living, uh, you know, uh, hand to mouth and uh, outside the classroom are, are are their performances going to be affected in the classroom um, and being um, uh, someone who, uh, came out of working class, you know, uh, first gen, um, you know, and, 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 and in tandem with this idea that it's up to you as an individual to make your own way, um, which is the common belief that means that you're less inclined, right? You're less inclined to actually go and be proactive, to seek out help. Uh, because, you know, there's almost like an internalized sense of shame around, you know, around being vulnerable and open enough about your socioeconomic status and saying, you know, I might need some financial assistance or some guidance in terms of, 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 of navigating these complicated institutions with all of their you know all of their acronyms and 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 all of the 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 questions that we we encounter on the fafsa forms and 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 what have you
1: yeah i mean ultimately i think you know we can acknowledge the fact that ha- pursuing a higher education has its challenges for everybody it is a challenging thing to do you're expanding your brain you're exploring new topics and when you are a person who is both exploring a higher, higher education and navigating some of these cultural and systemic barriers that we've talked about today that can really contribute to just the burnout and you know it it's like you said it's hard to focus on you know doing your best in the classroom when you're worried about is my laptop going to last through this next online quiz am i going to have a meal when i when i get home tonight. Do I have a place to go to tonight after I get out of class? Those those questions can be really weighing on a student and and I don't think it's difficult to see how they can really um you know impact that performance in the classroom.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned that Kate because one of the things I in my time in financial aid was I don't have book money and I don't have rent money. And you are standing between that. And it, it's a really hard position to be in. You want to help people, but you've got to federal, follow federal guidelines. But many students would start a semester without their books or you know, wondering, am I going to have money to pay this month's rent and such? So, I mean, that also adds a lot of stress. I, I'm very fortunate. You talked you know, about your cell plan, your service, and I didn't have too many of those kinds of worries going to school, but I also had to take out a fair amount of debt to do so. And navigate to those waters too and that's been a very popular conversation lately with with student debt is that you know all these entitled kids are going to be getting all this free education and that's another conversation but i think it speaks to how you know the generational differences that you mentioned in that Ah, oh, millennials are lazy oh they were born with technology in their hands they're all they know all no they don't No, they don't. And, you know, it's on us, it's incumbent upon us as educators to help them get those resources, to get, you know, access to a lot of those types of things. We redesigned, Kate and I put a lot of work into redesigning the Moodle menu at the top of Moodle so that there were many more services, more tightly bundled and easier to find for students and faculty as well. So I hope a lot of our, you know, listeners who know that or aren't aware of that, they start using some of those resources and helping students out. And though, you might not be the person who can directly help them with a particular issue. You can certainly help guide them or point them more easily to find some of these things or potentially even self-service and find them yourself. So I mean, these are all great points that that you both have mentioned.
2: Thank you, Dan.
0: Kate, uh, I'm sorry. Do you have something you want to say? I can edit this out. Watch.
1: I'll edit that part out. You you go ahead.
2: Was I supposed to say something in response to that, Dan? I mean, that's a good point. I guess I was thinking oh my God, I need to explore this a little more. (laughs) So I I began thinking, oh, okay, what are those tools, Dan? Tell me.
0: (laughs) It's easy. It's easy. I'm learning. You know, we can get compartmentalized very quickly in that there are a lot of people in financial aid who are doing a lot of good work that so many people are fully unaware of. Me, I'm glad that I had that trial by fire to start my career because you got to learn so much about the students who are coming to your institution, the struggles that they are facing and the bureaucracy that you have to work through to be able to get, you know, some of those resources. Again, it's not an indictment on anybody, you know, it's more a systemic type issue uh, as well. Right now, I'm learning more about our student-athletes and the challenges they face. It's a whole different set of circumstances. So there are so many different groups on campus that we hope we can help share their stories through this podcast to help raise some of that awareness, because in my 16 years uh, here at Oakland University, I keep learning more more about our students and you learn, you know, how they've evolved and how they've changed and what the new students, you know, what they look like coming in. I'm excited to see that. And I'm glad that we work, you know, in an atmosphere where we get to see fresh faces come in every year. You get to see trends change. Not everybody is that fortunate. They get to see them after that kind of initial journey. And me, I just, I want to see all of them have as much opportunity to succeed as we can offer them.
1: Yeah, and this is such a such a deep topic, and there's so much to cover that unfortunately we can't fully cover in a 25 minute podcast episode. But we um, could have you back. <laughs> we absolutely could.
2: Or we could just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two part, two part miniseries. Then series. it becomes yes, it becomes a little unwieldy, and I uh, really appreciate the opportunity just to open up some um different ways of of thinking about our students and how to um best serve our students. Um, you know, I I, I like I said, I, I I don't think like student success is a zero-sum game. I think that sometimes we get locked in to um uh to focusing on what we ourselves perceive to be the students with the greatest capacity. Um, and, 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 and what that overlooks is that capacity is not zero sum, that capacity for, um, for success is not limited, um, to those with the most familiarity and, uh, with, you know with navigating our you know institution of higher education um that there are so many many enthusiastic and excited and really brilliant students who simply don't have um you know the the background uh, that allows them to to participate in in a way in which they can avail themselves of the wonderful and, and and increasing number of opportunities um that uh, this university is uh, making available
1: yeah absolutely I mean it it comes down to that idea of of we can't necessarily treat all students equally we need to be treating them equitably and and making sure that they have those resources that they need in order to perform at the level that they could perform Um, and and that's not always going to result in equal treatment equal distribution of of resources equal distribution of student services
2: amen well said
0: so george do you have any closing
2: thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners two things one I kind of like to think that I'm a fairly smart fellow. Uh, I'm gainfully employed, have a PhD. Um, I'm tenured and and that's wonderful. Um, but I benefited significantly from uh, the resources that were provided to me. Um, not just by friends who let me um, surf on their couches, um, but by, uh, you know, nonprofit uh, organizations and agencies that were able to step in and um, uh, service um, uh, people like me who didn't have the ability to pay for school, to pay for um, housing and, and even food Um so we're, we're lucky. There are many of us who are lucky. Um, it does not have to come down to luck though. Um, we should be open to um, providing more support to those with structural uh, barriers and or structural challenges who face structural challenges, particularly in terms of, 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 of economic challenges, but also um We should be more accommodating um, when it comes to the students who don't know um, how to talk about and to um, how to uh, to advocate for themselves uh, and and their needs. Uh, We should be looking out for those students uh, and finding ways to support them. Um, It's easy to um, particularly as a as a faculty as a professor someone who who you know we care we 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 are invested in our students we are invested in their in their learning um, what we have to offer um, and so when we have students who don't seem to quote unquote get it um, who do fall asleep um, it's easy to take that personally um, because we do invest time on the other hand. Um, it's important to recognize that there are real, real uh, structural inequalities uh, that affect our students um, and that uh, affect their performance and their ability to participate and be engaged. And um, it, it's no skin off 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 our backs, right? Um, to to let some of those things go, to instead. Um, be attentive and thoughtful to inquire about their well-being, um, rather than to take it personally. Like, oh, well, they're not—you know—they're not listening. They're—you they're, know—they they just don't care. Um, so many of them do care. Yes, some students will take advantage, uh, and and that's fine, right? Um, that's totally fine um, because that's going to be the case in any realm of life. Um, but we do have a responsibility to do what we are able to do to uh, expand the capacity of the students that we um, are here to serve.
1: Thank you so much for being here today. This has been a really wonderful conversation, and I'm looking forward to sharing it with our listeners.
0: Absolutely.
2: Thank you so much, Dan and Kate. You all are rock stars.
1: We'd like to thank Dr. Sanders for joining us today. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We value your feedback and your ratings and reviews will help others discover our show. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Inclusive Online Pod. If you'd like to get in touch with us with your ideas, feedback, or requests to collaborate, you can send us an email at inclusiveonlinepod at gmail.com
0: and don't forget to take a look at all of our resources for today's episode linked in the show notes please note that we are not endorsing or sponsoring any of the products and tools that we discussed in our show today we are simply sharing our experiences using these tools and we do not receive any compensation for mentioning these products
1: special thanks to our production assistant kayla Yuka. we'll be back next month with our next episode until then
0: we hope you feel included